This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Well, hello, dear, darling, loved listeners. And you are loved if you are listening. Let me tell you that. Welcome to the wine situation where, uh, you know, it's the podcast where the situation is everybody's at home. And I'm here to be your drinking buddy. Now, I don't know about how you... (laughs) I don't know why my voice just squeaked there. I was all sultry and then my voice is like, nope, not you, Ellen. Um, I don't know how... (laughs) I'm squeaking again. What is wrong with me? I don't know how everyone's quarantine is going. I, mine keeps getting busier and busier. I have not had time to take up needlepoint or to make sourdough or start sketching or play the piano. Not that I have a piano, but you know, I pulled out my guitar like, I'll start doing that. I have not had time to do that. But what I do have time for, what I do make time for, is time to have a drink with you so that you do not have to drink alone. Who am I? I am Ellen Clifford, the palette, because I was Mademoiselle La Palette and I prefer a more gender neutral term. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, but we already have to have a tangent. And as I've said, this podcast is always about segments and tangents, tangents and segments. I have to have a tangent while I was talking about, um, you know, more, more fluid names of things. So last week I was talking to Julia Coney, the beauty and fragrance expert slash wine extraordinaire woman uh, who gives us all life. Um, anyway, off the mic, I was like, hey, I got to ask you, since you're a fragrance expert about this perfume I have, like a friend who was super into perfumes and had all these samples, um, gave this to me when he was moving years ago. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if it's made for women. Um, And so I went and found it. It's called Ed, A-E-D-E-S, Divinestus. And she's like, oh, well, the thing about them is they do not make perfume for men or women. They just make fragrances. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense that I'm into that. Then I get it. Uh, mine in particular is the uh, Ed de Vanestas Copul Azur, uh, uh, which, you know, I think it's just like French for fancy blue. I don't know. Um, anyway, sorry, tangent already. Let's, uh, do we want to dive into the agenda? Uh, I could tell you my qualifications, you know, certified some, uh, getting a diploma from the Wine Spirit Educational Trust, write stuff for delectable, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the agenda. We are not even three minutes in and we're getting into the agenda. Okay, so first off, as I've said, the straight up content for your ear, earbuds, earbuds, ear holes, uh, for your ears, is always made of segments, and those segments will have tangents. And I will try and rein in the tangents, but I make no promises. What I do promise is a good time. So we're going to start with a hot tip that, you know, I like to give you non-related, wine-related hot tips, and this one is wine-adjacent, okay? Cool. Um, Then we're going to begin the bones upon which the vegan or at least vegetarian protein of this podcast hang off. Um... The who, what, when, where, why, wine game. And then we're going to get to know a woman-made wine. And, you know, I'm going to drink it for you. And hopefully you guys, hopefully by now you've already opened something and poured yourself a glass. I hope so. I hope you're kicking back, relaxing, um, maxing and relaxing, uh, 
shooting b-ball i don't know outside of the school sorry fresh prince moment there in my head um okay where was i god i'm not doing well with tangents so we're gonna have this woman made wine um and then we're gonna have another edition of on the food side like on the flip side but with food and uh you know what then we'll reveal what the who what when where why wine is that you know We'll, we'll have been getting through the bones of throughout the podcast, and I think that I'm going to call it a night because it is 11.03 on Friday night here in Los Angeles, and I'm tired, and I've been very busy, and I don't have an interview scheduled with anyone until, like, tomorrow, and that's, I don't, I'm, I'm going to save it for next week because I went uh, time to put this together and get it uploaded. Uh, I don't want to be pushing stuff to any more last minute than I already am. Yay. Uh, let's get into that hot, hot tip. It's not just a hot tip, it's a hot, hot tip. Which is, uh, you know, theater is not dead. You know why? Because I'm in an upcoming play that's taking place on Zoom. And it's not just any kind of play, it is an immersive theater play. So the audience will be very small um, so that they can interact with us. And what, I said this was wine adjacent. Well, you guys know I'm playing a sommelier in it. And actually, there will be wine involved. Why don't I just read you the, the little uh, bit about this? And if you want to get tickets, you can only get wine if you're in Los Angeles. But I think you can get a ticket without wine. Or, you know, you can just pay full price to support theater. Anyway, um, all right. Catnip Productions is thrilled to announce the debut of Gary's Divorce an online interactive wine tasting and party. Katie Foley and Lena Valentine, those are the people who run the theater company. I love them. They're great improv people. Um, they continue to build heartfelt comedic worlds to escape into their latest production. Past productions include Best Night Ever and Blind Love. Guests get to know each other and receive an objective before enjoying a wine tasting led by our certified sommelier. That's me. Um, along the way, they steer the outcome of the evening by getting to know Gary's family a little better uncovering where Gary's true love lies, and playing out their own ulterior motives. Ticket holders will receive wine samples for the tasting via contactless delivery. You, yeah, if you're interested, I think if you just Google uh, Gary's Divorce Party or look up that on Eventbrite, you should be able to find it. It's, um, we've had, we're having rehearsals already. The first show is July 31st, but I believe it is already sold out. We are going to have shows on August 7th and 8th as well. Um, and I think if there's enough demand, the show might go on. And it's going to be fun because, you know, it'll, it really will be sort of not exactly choose your own adventure, but, you know, not every night, maybe this, every night may not be the same. Um, so that's real cool. And I'm right now trying to find wines that are both tasty and that we can afford to, <laughs> to give everybody. So, yeah, get into it. Gary's divorce party. Oh my goodness. Let's let's just hop into the game that actually is a game, which is who, what, when, where, why, wine. The first clue is, of course, your who. And that is simply Tsar Alexander II. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, guys. There is a beautiful um, greed gree aka a rosé from a rather pink-skinned, uh, I think this is Grenache Blanc, um, grape. It's, so it's almost, it is sort of a, almost a grayish 
pink. I don't know. Um, this is made by Domaine Royal de Jara, which is owned by Rankin Estates, as in Rankin Pomery, um, the Champagne House. But this is a still wine. It is their Pink Flamingo Saab de Camargue, which is a um, Indication Géographique Protégé. AK and uh, an AOC of France. Uh, this AOC is in the Languedoc Roussillon, so it's down south. Uh, what else? What else can I tell you about this winery um, besides the fact that they do, in fact, have a woman winemaker? Her name is Ariane Iseric, E Y S S E R I C. Um, I was trying to like Google information about her and really like she's she's an enigma guys she, There's a very cute picture of her not cute She actually just looks very like suave and sophisticated and like she's just hanging out in the wine cellar tasting and mixing like like a not wicked witch of wine um, Anyway, that that's who it's made by it is a woman uh, Let me read you a few things off the website just to give you a feel for this place <clears throat> Domaine Royal de Jara, spelled J-A-R-R-A-S, is located in the Petit Camargue. This region was listed as a European Natura 2000 preserve in recognition of the rare and threatened plant and animal species that live there. Intriguing. What else? Um, <laughs> one less well-known fact is that it is home to a remarkable vineyard that is completely unlike any other, the Vignoble de Sable which um, I guess is why this wine is from the Saab de Camargue. Um, let's see what else. This perfect balance between an area dedicated to vines and unspoiled nature is the essential prerequisite for the sustainable winemaking and biodiversity. Most of this vineyard is located around the capital of Vindesab. I can't speak French, guys. Um, it's spelled A-I-G-U-E-S-M-O-R-T-E. S. Uh, another fun fact about it, <laughs> the Domaine Royal de Jara owns many purebred Camargue horses. Only horses born and bred in the Manade herds, is that like the, the menagerie, the Manade, um, referred to as cradle of the breed, can be called Camargue horses. The Manade of the Domaine Royal de Jara counts over 60 horses, including four stallions and 30 brood mares. Wow, those stallions had a lot of fucking to do. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to think about that, and now I am, and I should move on and taste this wine pretty soon, so I'm not thinking about that. Um, but I think the coolest thing about this winery, besides the fact that a boss woman makes the wine, is uh, the vines of Domaine Royal de Girard survived the phylloxera epidemic that originated in 1863. The soil is cultivated traditionally without using any herbicide. You guys, so phylloxera, I mean, imagine if suddenly vines were dying, we couldn't figure out how or how to fix it, and it really was looking like wine may become extinct, basically. You guys, that was phylloxera. Um, because phylloxera is a louse that came over from the Americas, and ironically enough, it was being able to graft the European vines onto American rootstock that was enabled the vines to not get destroyed by uh, phylloxera when it was brought over. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. The thing that the place that <laughs> nearly ruined wine also saved it. That's life, you guys. Um, hmm. 
Okay. Sable de Camargue is a protected geographical indication and produces wines with extremely low acidity. Well, we'll see if I like this, guys. I don't know. I like high acid wines. Um, the main vine stock at Domaine Royal de Jarre is Grenache Gris. Oh, Grenache Gris. So not the red grape, not the pink grape, the Gris. The juice obtained after pressing this grape varietal has a unique pink-gray color, which gives Gris de Gris its name. Okay. Wow, we're only 12 minutes in and we're about time to taste the wine. It really is a pretty color, guys. I'm, I'm going to make the, the pick for this, this, the pick for this pod, which incidentally is number 93. Coming up on 100, guys. Um, I'm, I'm going to use a pick of me with this wine looking very gothy because I put on black lipstick today because I'm feeling myself. Cheers. Oh, that's fucking delightful. Okay, I'll get more into it in un moment, but uh, first I'm going to give you another clue. Remember, your who was czar. Uh, I spelled it T-S-A-R this time for no rhyme nor reason. I think you can also spell it C-Z-A-R, as in Caesar. Kind of. I think that's where it came from. Sorry, etymology tangent. The who was czar Alexander II. The what is the punt? You got to put your thumb in the punt. There's something about this bottle and the punt, or maybe I should say lack of punt, that maybe makes it unique. Let's go on to tasting. As I stare at this lovely gris de gris in my, um, I know I say I normally use my Bourgogne uh, Zalto. Today, I am using the Zalto Universal. Um, it just seemed like the appropriate, slender, sophisticated, suave, um, not suave, this wine is not suave, it's more like soigné. <laughs> um, that probably means the same thing, I'm not sure. Oh god, okay, shut up Ellen. Let's play what's in the glass, the game that is not the game. Which kind of is the game? Is it a game? You make the call. I'm gonna say it's game. Okay, so this is, as I said, a rather gris color, almost a little coppery, just very, a little orangey pink, but not in the salmon-y way. Uh, and I'm going to put it pale. It almost looks like there's some light effervescence to it, but maybe that's just condensation. I'm not sure. Let's take a whiff. Hmm. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This is all, like, flowers, like almost like or is orange blossom but not orange blossom maybe more like lemon blossom grapefruit blossom do grapefruits have blossoms probably and it's definitely grapefruit pith oh and um salty air like i can the languedoc roussillon is right by the mediterranean i can fairly feel the mediterranean sunshine soaking into my bones my bones not the bones that make up this podcast that would be the game that is a game um yeah Dude, it smells great. Let's put it on the palate. It definitely is low acid. I'm not minding because it is, I, this is not a technical term, but it is bright. It's all that sunshine in a glass again. It's a very bright wine. Um, hmm. Alcohol level. I don't think it's that high. I'm put it. 11, 5, or 12. Commit, Ellen, commit. Uh, let's call it 12. Let's see if it is. 
Oh, where is it? Where is it? 12.5. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad I didn't go with 11.5. Goodness. Pink Flamingo is 12.5. Um, the body is light and, and bright, as I said. The flavor intensity is, I want to put it medium plus. It's quite a potent wine for such a unassuming, gris wine. Let's take another sip. Hmm. Guys, I hope there is rosé in your glass all day today. Just soak in the rosé. Forget making quarantine about uh, learning to play the clarinet or um, starting to sketch. Make it about rosé. It's summertime. Why not? Oh yeah, I was supposed to be giving you tasting notes. It's pretty much similar to the nose. A little bit more of that salt air, like almost, huh, like, ugh. Like salted greens. This feels, but like greens, like frise that's holding up a fruit salad of like grapefruit, like really fresh pink grapefruit and lime zest and maybe candied lemon. Um, but this isn't sweet. It's just, that's the flavor you get. And like I said, it's, it's a blossom of some sort. I don't know. I still, I'm sorry guys. I haven't gotten, well, can you even go to a flower store just to smell the flowers? I could go around the grocery store and stick my nose in those bouquets, but like, I don't know, this is COVID times, guys. I don't want to be inhaling things in public very much. <laughs> Maybe I should just give my flowers every day for, uh, for a week and order different ones and get to know them. I don't know. Ah, oh, this is lovely. Um, and almost like a bit of like salted honeydew. Yeah, there's definitely like a, a salty thing to it. Should we? Oh. We have to uh, we have to go over the finish because everybody likes to finish. Um, God, I don't know what's wrong with me, guys. Ah, <gasps> oh, this rosé. Mm. The finish is actually medium plus. It's like still still in my mouth and feels still feels like sprightly. Yeah, this wine is sprightly, but not like in a sprite-like way. <laughs> it's an elegant sprite. Um, is it a nymph? Is it a nympho? I'm, I gotta stop, guys. Um, oh, I didn't look at legs either, but let's call these medium. Jeez. Um, yeah, the finish is actually medium plus. It's really, sometimes, especially when it was like it's low acid, I'm like, am I gonna like this? Sometimes rosés from the south, I'm like, I don't know. Oh! Okay, the floral note is maybe a little white peach or white nectarine, even more so white nectarine. Um, yeah, I like white nectarines. I, I mean, other peaches are fine, but I, I like those are like a donut peach. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but still with salt on it, just like salt on everything, guys. I love salt. Ugh. This rosé is putting me in a mood. I was wearing this like pink um, satin dress to go with my black lipstick because nothing's gotha than pink. This is a tangent, by the way. And I was feeling like real, just like feeling myself by myself being goth and, you know, knowing shit about wine as I do. And this wine, uh, I hadn't even tasted it yet. I was just doing that to take you know, gratuitous photos of myself with it. But this wine is fulfilling all the vibe I was trying to project about it into my pictures. So just know that. Let's, uh, here's where I get nervous. I read their notes. So, hmm, from the website. 
Pink Flamingo Gris Tête Cuvée Millésime 2019 from Organic Viticulture. I. This wine has a pale gray color with nice brilliance. I've mentioned how if I ever have a, a daughter, gray is going to be at least part of her name, because um, it is, with an E. Originally it was 11 Shannon Gray. That's probably going to change. I feel like I'm not supposed to name my kids after a grape or a number. And yet I would. But gray is acceptable, right? Maybe I should just change my name. Hmm. Okay, this wine has a pale gray color with nice brilliance. I am lousy with tangents tonight. Nose, an intense nose with notes of red berries, white peach. Aha. Yes, white peach. They sensed it. I sensed it. Enhanced by some notes of citrus fruit. Okay, that's in line. They haven't mentioned the salt yet, but... Let's see. Mm, palette, ample and generous on the palate with notes of white-fleshed fruit, again with those white peaches, enhanced by a nice saline finish. Oh, they got the salt. Wow, guys, maybe they should... You know, I have, a, like, a couple wine-writing jobs, but... I, and granted, yeah, I guess for delectable part of my practice, uh, my job is writing tasting notes. And sometimes for the job that I ghostwrite on, I have to look up other people's tasting notes because no one can afford the wine. Well, people obviously can afford it, but it's like wine that the guy whose company I write for is, is not even buying because it's expensive fucking wine that I dream of tasting, that I will taste someday. But <laughs> um, anyway, so what I'm saying is I write tasting notes, but uh, like it would be cool if wine companies just hired me to sit around tasting their wines and writing tasting notes because apparently I write pretty good ones. I would have to rein in my creative impulse that makes me say, this wine is a sexy sprite, but like an elegant sprite who is wafting through, wafting, can a person waft? I guess you can if you're a sprite, wafting through the ocean. Um, oh, okay, wait, oh, they have an extra note, like normally people sort of give you eye, nose, palate. They have drinking occasions. Sometimes they give you pairings, but not the, oh, wait, okay. Drinking occasions, pink flamingo, <clears throat> Pink Flamingo will accompany with pleasure <laughs> the Mediterranean cuisine and appetizer boards. So, I don't know that I would put this with like a Greek salad, but by Mediterranean appetizer boards, are these like, would I put this with like some halloumi? Or some, uh, oh, what's the flaming cheese? Oh, what is that? Um, would I put this with Suvlaki? I don't even know what that is. It just sounds Mediterranean. When they say something with capers, maybe? Um, would I put this with, with some falafel? I, I would eat this with falafel. I don't know that that would be my go-to pairing. I'm trying to think what I, Ellen Clifford, the palate, because I wear Ed de Vanestas, um, because I'm a badass. <sighs> I'm feeling myself. Um, trying to think what I would pair this with. For some reason, I'm <laughs> so weird. You know those like old cookbooks that are like the diet salad where there's like a half a peach filled with cottage cheese on a lettuce leaf? Somehow I feel like this wine would be good with that. It would certainly make that lunch more fun. I mean, I love cottage cheese, don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> okay, sorry, you guys don't know it, but I paused recording so I could look up both Greek flaming cheese. It's Saganaki. I'm actually not sure if I've ever actually had that so much as witnessed it. And then also was Googling Mediterranean cuisine to see if anyone wanted to give me like a definitive answer. And it was just like, mmm, fish and vegetables and olive oil. I am remembering the first, maybe the second time I had okra that I thought was amazing 
was a, a, it was a restaurant in Chicago in Greek town. We were on our way to see Spam a lot, me and my family, and we stopped for a Greek dinner. And my mom ordered Ritzina, which is a Greek wine that is traditionally made. Uh, it involves <laughs> it involves pine resin. If you like gin, and if you like what Lysol, um, yeah. If you like juniper, you 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 might like um, Ritzina. I've never had one I liked. I believe that someone probably makes one I'd like. Um, anyway, I didn't drink that much. I was still in college, and I had a glass of white wine. I was like woo, and then I had this really good dish of like olive oil baked uh, veggies, which I remember most of all, I was just, uh, I, you guys, I really like okra. Okra's fucking delicious. I haven't had it in a long time, and I've only cooked it like maybe once for myself. And I don't think it went well, because I am a baker more than I am a cook. Other people can cook for me. I will bring the uh, breads and desserts and the wine and the cocktails. So I think, you know, I make a worthy contribution to the world, is what I'm saying. Okay, so, yeah, pairing pairing the swine. I can see it going with, like, you know, a vegetable plate. I could see it going with, um, oh, it's Italian, right? That, uh, ratatouille? Mm, maybe. Ratatouille might, this might be too floral for that. I could see it going with, mmm. Like, if you took a plate and you drizzled it with honey and you threw some nuts on there, like, maybe it's just, like, just like a toasted, not a caramelized, not a, not one of those sweet caramelized pecans, but like a toasted, oh, a walnut. Like one of the, yeah, you, so you put a drizzle of honey, uh, or even better yet, just like a, a little, a little bit of honeycomb. Oh, I'm getting hungry. It is 11.27 at night. Um, and then you put some like um, toasted, not caramelized, just toasted walnuts there. Like a little bit of cheese. It can be stinky cheese. It can be regular cheese. It could be feta cheese. Nah, feta with honey. I don't know. I've never tried it. Um, but some sort of more like a hard cheese. And then like garnish it with a microgreen. <laughs> like the bougie bitch you are. Um, and yeah, that seems like that would go really well with this. I don't know if that qualifies as Mediterranean. Ooh, guys, I'm having fun pairing this. I wish you could drink it too. I mean, you could. Uh, just like Google Domaine Royale de Jura or Google Pink Flamingo Gris de Gris and you can find it or, you know, text me. I feel like, well, I don't know how many people who listen to this actually are people that actually know me. I'm not sure. I know I have some people who, who listen pretty regularly that I know and I think most don't, um, <laughs> which is good. Because I would probably, I, would I rein myself in? I don't know. Um, okay, hold on. I'm just trying to think of like one more pairing. This would go with some sort of like flatbread pizza that like, mm. yeah, some sort of flat. Oh, this would go with like, it's not actually pizza, but like fruit pizza, like some kind of thin crust with like a bit of cheese, like some fromage fresh on top, and just like some strawberries and. Um, I'm of course only thinking of vegetarian pairings. I would think this would go well with some sort of light. Uh, I don't think it would go well with a heavy or dark meat, but I think it would probably go well. Maybe a pork chop with applesauce, but it would pair more with the applesauce than the pork chop probably. That's why when people are like, oh, does this definitively go with, does one uh, wine definitively go or not go with a dish? I'm like, 
In all honesty, it comes down to how the dish was cooked and what the sauce is. Because people are always like, artichokes don't pair with anything. Um, same with asparagus. But like, as I experimented with my friend Scheherazade, she was, we wanted to do that experiment. And when I showed up, uh, I, lo I love you, Scheherazade, but I, you had made the most, I mean, Scheherazade, her food's the, the best. She's, I mean, we have a blast throwing Thanksgivings together and I, I benefit from her cooking skills. Um, but I think like the sauces we had on the dishes were so good. And also they just, yeah, I mean, don't eat a plain artichoke and expect it to pair with wine. What I'm saying is uh, sauce makes the difference. This has been a very tangent-heavy podcast. If you like it, you know, I, 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 I take a drink, like a drinking game. Every, every time Ellen tangents, you have to refill your wine glass, pour a splash in, I don't know, chug from the bottle, something like that. Dudes, I'm loving this wine. I mean, I was a little suspicious of it being called Pink Flamingo. I was like, is this a Florida wine? No, it's a Southern France wine. And I was a little suspicious of like a light colored uh, rosé from France because you know me, I like my Tavelles. I like my rich, um, not rich, but like heavy. I, I like I like a, a darker rosé, a more noir rosé, if that's the correct way to say it. Um, I am surprised how much I am digging this wine. Seek it out. Okay, I have no pairings for you. Uh, no more pairings for you right now. Let's uh, let's let's get another clue before I like bore the hell out of you, or you know, get a little too crazy, or is it just enough? Okay, who Tsar Alexander II? What the punt, or is there a punt? When eighteen seventy six was when what I'm talking about was commissioned. Okay, that's it. Now it is time for on the food side. So this is like a continuation. I swear I'll find something new to talk about besides um, food categories in different shapes and shapes applied to different food categories at some point. But right now I love the creativity it sparks. So I have to talk about it. I'm sorry, I just have to. So I told you how there's this trend of making pancake cereal. That's the, uh, that is the food category in different shape. Um, literally just teeny, 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 tiny pancakes put in a bowl and like they're pouring in maple syrup and, and butter, like instead of milk. Um, not as much of course, but like in a bowl, eat it with a fork, like it's cereal, but it's pancakes. And I talked to you about how I have the whole waffling, uh, cookbook, will it waffle? And that's all sorts of foods from falafel, falafel, <laughs> um, yeah, to pizza, to all sorts of categories that are cooked in a waffle iron. Um, so I discovered on like a, the, the, the tiny pancake food, or it, it was another, I guess it was another shape applied to different foods thing, but um, reminded me of the other one because it was like a bunch of different quote-unquote cereals. Um, yeah, it was a video of people making all these things um, cereal-sized, so they had, with like different toppings to match, they made like these teeny tiny croissant that they just like topped with melted butter instead of milk. Um, they had a bowl full of Nutella-filled teeny tiny croissants. They topped with more, more Nutella. They made tiny um, chocolate, chocolate chip cookies topped with milk. Like milk and cookies, right? They made real tiny cinnamon rolls 
that they like poured some glaze on in a bowl. Um, they made these mini M&M cookies shaped like uh, pancakes that were topped with more M&Ms and then like maple syrup and a pat of butter. It was, yeah, it was quite a lot. And I was like, okay, so now we're just going with like pancake as a shape, kind of like waffle as a shape. Although this was all sweet stuff. So first I was trying to think of more things I would make, things that I would want to make miniatures of, put in a bowl. <laughs> and pour the appropriate topping that matched on top of it. Uh, I still don't think I'm like into this whole thing, but okay. Um, anyway, <clears throat> other combos. I, of course, first, like the, the malcontent in me was like, could we make a milkshake cereal? I don't know, like with like things that would go on top of a milkshake. Um, being the cereal and then like you just pour milkshake on top. I don't know how that would work. It was just me being subversive. Um, I pictured like really, really tiny tarts, um, like basically pies topped with like streusel and whipped cream, like just a ton of them in a bowl. You guys have to look this up. Just look up pancake cereal. You'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, I thought oatmeal cream pies might translate well into this. You make lots of teeny tiny oatmeal cookies and you top them with like, like some sort of drizzle slash sauce that's marshmallow based. Um, I was picturing tiny mini miniature cheesecakes, or maybe you make tiny little graham cracker based for the crust, uh, spheres and tiny little like cream cheese balls, the sweetened ones. Um, that sounded weird. I don't know why. And it's topped with a cherry sauce. Um, yeah, I'm picturing all these things. Um, and then I was like, these are all sweet. Could you do savory pancake things? Um, so I was picturing like miniature, like tiny, 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 like, well, basically it would be bread and cheese topped with like a tomato sauce. So I guess basically it'd be pasta. I was like trying to make a pizza, a pizza cereal, um, rib cereal topped with the barbecue, uh, teeny tiny tacos. I don't know how that would work. Um, in a bowl topped with the salsa cheese, um, mini falafel. Oh, this is, that, that was my most favorite one. Actually it's Mediterranean. Maybe it would pair well with the swine, a bowl full of like tiny falafels. And on top, you've poured some some hummus and um, some tzatziki. Is that the stuff? Um, that sounds good. Basically, guys, I like to play with my food. And so should you. Because food should be fun. Food should be delicious. But also, it should be fun. It can be serious. Same with wine. But it does not have to be. I love these kinds of things. I will try and... I'll try and have, like, a more... Should I have a more auguste um, on the food side next time? Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Uh, but right now I'm like alternating between all these like food categories and shapes and shapes and made with different food categories. It's fun. Okay. As I take another sip of wine. Mm. Hmm. I hope the sound of me swallowing is not terrible. Um, guys, I really do love white peaches. Like I'm hit or miss on some stone fruit. Love cherries very hit or miss on like peaches or nectarines but um the white peach and white nectarine on this is like kind of divine okay go to the store uh oh peaches are maybe around still um come autumn you will see all the plums coming out and i think the nectarines will be around then uh look for a white nectarine 
they're my jam. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's get back to a clue before I get too drunk on this wine because it's really delicious and it's fucking hot here and so I just keep drinking it and because life is short so rosé all day baby. Um, her. Who? Tsar Alexander II. What? Punt. The punt. Put your thumb in the punt. Or don't if there isn't one. Hmm. Think about it. When? 1876. Where? I'm sure a lot of wine people on the first clue probably were like, duh, we know what she's talking about. But uh, hopefully hopefully not everyone knows. Um, because if you're a wine expert, you probably already, if you are listening to this, you just love me. Which is fine. Keep doing it. Listen up. And also I'll have good interviews. Not this week, but uh, okay. Uh, uh, stop being insecure, Ellen. Where is Champagne? Champagne. That's where this particular bottling I'm talking about comes from. Before I get to the why, as usual, I'm like, you know, go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, um, follow the wine situation on Instagram, guys, follow it, or follow me, Ellen Clifford, you'll see all my wine content, and sometimes, like when I write, I'm pretty good at avoiding tangents. There might be anecdotes. <laughs> what is the difference between an anecdote and a tangent? That is actually a really good question that I'm going to look up for the next episode. What is the difference between an anecdote and a tangent? I don't know. Um, anyway, you know, rate your review. Follow me. I, if you... I should have said it earlier, but like I do love when people... And I have a lot of people that always be like, what do you think about this wine I'm drinking? I love nothing more than when my friends and family and like people I know or strangers, <laughs> I don't even mind strangers on the internet. They're like, look at this wine. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I don't know the wine or if I do, I'm like, oh. yeah, I don't think anyone's ever sent me something like egregious and I've had to be like, that's the shitty wine you're drinking. Um, <laughs> that would be sad. Should we close out the the game that is game, and so I can close out the 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 um the pod and then go maybe find some falafel? No, I'm not. It's eleven forty one. Pacific daylight time, standard time. I'm not sure. It's summer. I think daylight time. PDT. Um. So I will not be seeking out falafel from anywhere, but I might be eating cheese or vegetables. Probably both. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's finish this game. Who is Tsar Alexander II? What is the punt? Or is it? When is 1876, the first time this wine was commissioned? Where is Champagne? Why is you're a fucking baller and a badass and you have good taste in wine? Have you guessed yet? Have you? Have you? Crystal. Made by the Louis Redder uh, Champagne House, which also, by the way, we had uh, Domaine Anderson, which is a Redder. Uh, like, there's also Domaine Redder in, in California, like the same people. They make exquisite wine. Anyway, but they also, they're the people that make Cristal. So I'll, the reason Tsar Alexander is the who is that Cristal was commissioned by him. He wanted it in a crystal bottle and he was really worried people were gonna assassinate him. He probably did things that deserved it. I don't know, I haven't gotten that much into the history. So he's like, 
Okay, so most champagnes come in a um, a not a clear bottle, like a, it's going to be tinted glass, um, and most of them have a punt, which is good both for your thumb to fit in while you're pouring, or like apparently it like does something with the pressure in the bottle. I don't know, but he was like, there cannot be something that will kill me in this bottle that I can't see. So make me this cristal, put it in a clear bottle with no punt. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think I made it pretty clear in the clues that uh, there's no punt on this bottle. <laughs> um, which means if you buy a bottle of Cristal, dude, store that in the dark, put that in your wine fridge, put that in your fridge fridge, not for too long. If you're going to like age it, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a Cristal expert. I have only tried it once. Um, yeah, so, okay, so that that was the what, the where champagne. Obviously, it's a champagne. Um, and the why you're a fucking baller because it's fucking expensive. I have tried it once in my life. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should look up my tasting notes from it. Because this was, so Cristal is also, champagne houses all make varying sort of levels of champagne. And they all have like one that, not maybe not all, but most of them have one they call their tête de cuvée or their prestige cuvée, which is like their top bottling. And like one of the 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 runner-up to the most expensive wine i ever tasted which was like a a pinfold spin 95 2008 um was the ace of a rosé ace of spades by armand de Brie. like ace of spades is armand de Brignac's um tete de that cost like 500 dollars. what i'm saying is champagne's expensive y'all not all of it but some of it is and fuck it some of it's yeah. All I have to say is I will buy Dom Ruinart again someday. And probably Boulanger, um, Le Granane, and yeah, when I've had to cuvées, I'm like, okay. Okay, I see you high prices. Maybe not $500, but like, I see you high prices. Uh, incidentally, I didn't have that experience with the uh, pinfolds. I was like, $700 for this bottle? Really? I mean, this is fucking delicious, but really yeah okay sorry um we'll talk about shiraz another time so let me read you my like the the one time <laughs> someday there will be another and like cristal isn't even i don't think it's or at least certain vintages are i don't think are as expensive as like the ace of spades so i don't know um the reason i first ever tasted any prestige cuvées was um the effervescence uh festival in LA, which did not happen this year because festivals were dead by March because of COVID, wear your masks. Um, yeah, anyway, the first effervescence uh, uh, I went to, there was a master class led by Jeff Kruth, master, uh, master sommelier, and he was kind of, he was like, oh, if I could never only drink one wine for the rest of my life, it would be champagne. And then we're like, but which one? Because he tasted like basically Renart, um, Rutterer, they're the ones who make uh, Cristal and Bollinger. Bollinger? I'm, I think it's Bollinger. Um, he tasted us through like both their sort of regular bottling as well as their Tete de Cuvée. And that was when I had Cristal. Um, and it was my first article I ever wrote for Delectable, so that's cool. Um, so I looked up what I wrote about Cristal. <clears throat> Here were my impressions on the 2019 vintage of Cristal. It was almost caramel on the nose. 
Once in the mouth, it is a velvet explosion of lightly cooked fruit and crusty bread. I was seized with the childhood sense memory of the crusts we would dip into communion grape juice, which turned boring Sunday sermons into a special treat when I was young. That may sound prosaic, but in that champagne, I was finding religion. That is how I felt about Cristal. It really was good. It was like the right amount of like dark toast, grapiness, and just like, you guys, if you ever get the chance to drink Cristal, and I think it like compared to some things, I want to say you can probably get a bottle for around probably not 150, 250. I don't know. I'm going to pause this and look it up so I can tell you accurately. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, it's probably going to be at least 250, which... Uh, I'm like, <laughs> well, no, if I made more money, would I pay for it? Possibly. Don't tell. I don't know. Uh, don't tell them. Tell them to just send me a bottle so I can review it for another article. Because um, writers don't make a lot of money. Um, but yeah, Cristal is delicious. It is exceptional. I didn't think I liked champagne until I had like really good ones. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you guys, champagne, come on. Um, I'm now talking about champagne more than I was the wine I'm actually sitting here drinking, the Pink Flamingo, which is really good. Okay, I don't have a phone call because I just wanted to send this to David to like edit and put into um, put into the proper format for me. I should learn how to do that myself, but I haven't yet because I got things to do. <sighs> um... What can I send you? What can I send you out with for the week? Let me think. I'm trying to think of some like tidbits of of wisdom I could send you with, since I normally I rely on my guests to send you out with uh, wisdom. Um, I would say life is short. Drink good wine. If you don't like it, don't drink it. Um, I think that's important. Like if it were something that was, I mean, some wine is healthy for you, but in general, I'm like if you don't like the wine, don't drink it. You don't have to. It's okay. Don't put, put, anyway. Um, uh, what's my other tip? Uh, go forth with joy. Um, do unto others as like, I'm, I'm not religious per se, but I thoroughly believe that you should treat people how you want to be treated. I do my best to follow this rule because I want to be treated well and I don't think I can live with myself if I treat other people badly. I'm not always perfect. I definitely haven't been perfect in my life, but I try to, um, share, uh, be yourself, be grateful for what you have. Um, and if you can give back, I, I think, yeah, th those are my words of wisdom for the week that probably got way too serious for someone who was just like making really silly jokes and like drinking too much rosé earlier. Okay. You guys, thank you for listening. Next week, I do have a guest for the end of the podcast. He's super cool. Um, yes, a man for a change. <laughs> um, super cool guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, something prosper. Pros prosper. Uh, prosper. What is the expression? I don't know. I never watched the original uh, Star Trek. I was only into The Next Generation and obviously Picard. Okay, thank you for listening to The Wine Situation. I'm here for you. Uh, reach out, say hi, and uh, go forth, stay strong, and stay safe.
wear your fucking mask. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. wine. I don't fuck with IPA. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Minute Maid. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Coffee Maid. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a Somaliite. Been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.